0: what's going on friends this is random number 120 that's right i'm ox that over there is luke he's currently kind of dying so this might be sounding a little weird but trust me it's still luke uh for this week we got the latest episode of titans uh best and worst we got godfather 2 and manos hands of fate on prime uh for the spooks we got new nightmare and scream and then we saw Gemini Man in theaters, as well as El Camino, new on Netflix. Uh, did you catch Adam's Family as well?
1: No, I did not have time.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I also caught Abominable last week, which was fantastic.
1: Mm, I thought you were going to say Jeksy. Uh
0: I for some reason it was supposed to come to the theater in town and then I was totally just going to be like you know what I'll, I'll waste an e- afternoon catching these movies uh, and like it switched over to Thursday last week and like it just completely pulled the, the <laughs> showing of it I was like well okay I guess I'm not seeing it this week so, so I sure sure shit wasn't going to drive an hour to see another uh, a her rip off <laughs> But yeah, if you're uh, looking for a feel-good movie, check out Abominable for sure. Uh, DreamWorks just hitting that, stoking that fire they started with How to Train Your Dragon. So if you totally enjoyed the first How to Train Your Dragon, this one's even more remarkable. The animation alone is just so goddamn impressive. I know you were uh, bitching about Dark Crystal like a few weeks ago, and how the puppets look like that but uh they made them look like that but animated and it's so fucking impressive but the story's really great um it's just a great light-hearted movie um it's weird that like with all this stuff we're watching and everything and like i went to that movie like not expecting anything much more than just a little a fun kids film but like the weight of the story that's there is so impressive, considering, like, it doesn't talk down to kids. Like, it kind of treats them as adults, and it's really great to see that kind of shit. Um, kind of a story dealing with grief and how to manage it while you're young, and I think it's just awesome to have that out there in the world, so. Cool shit. Definitely worth checking out if you were even had an inkling of interest in it, so. Uh any other news you want to talk about? No any the Disney Plus bullshit or anything like that?
1: No. no. no.
0: <laughs> Have you seen the uh, ridiculous amount of backlog they're going for?
1: Yeah, and who cares? Well I mean, okay. I'll like I'll get it because it's only like five dollars a month, but I will watch ten percent of that stuff maybe. That's fair.
0: That's fair. Um so let's jump right into it. Uh did you catch or what'd you think of Titans this week?
1: Uh, it's worth it alone to see a dog catch an RPG in its mouth and blow a man <laughs> up with it.
0: Listen I don't know what it is about Titans, but like it feels so fun for like a few episodes. And then like we completely diverge from like the storyline we've been following for three four episodes, and like it just loses all the momentum, and like it's like makes me sit with these characters, and I was like, God damn it, DC, just straighten your shit out and and handle this. Like it felt like the first season when I was so pumped to get any story for uh, Starfire, and then it completely took a 180 degrees and like, I think we saw more of uh, Dick Grayson's backstory before getting more Star Starfire story. But yeah, this episode was just something kind of clumsy mess, but still kind of fun. Um, we finally get to see Connor. Um, who is... <laughs> I'm really weirded out that he has two fathers that they spliced together. And like, because I'm, se- it seems like he's missing genes in there by not having a female, but like, I guess the alien, I don't know. I
1: don't, I don't know understand how book. it
0: works, but it's really weird. Is that how it is in the comics too?
1: It It is. Yeah. It's not okay. something that they like revealed right away. Like I was surprised. They...
0: <laughs>
1: Cause you know, in the, in the books, it's like, you know, who's the second person? you know who's the human DNA they use and whatever and then like you find out like it was Lex Luthor who kind of like controls Connor and he goes bad for a while but it's whatever it's kind of dumb because like there's an issue where like Connor's like losing it and like he like shaves his head so he's bald like Lex and it's really fucking dumb (laughs) but nice I don't know I liked liked a lot of this episode Um, I don't think I'm not sure it killed any of the momentum because where you left, you weren't in a sense of like, Oh, where's the story going next? It was literally how's Jason or yeah. How's Jason going to get saved? And we built to that part here. Um, But I mean, I liked a lot of the interactions with like Lex's dad and you know, the idea of like inherited trauma that he got from these genes. He has the epigenic memories and stuff. Hmm. um and just the idea of like this super powerful being who was doing bad things just because you know it wasn't lex's genes that made him kill those people it was superman's he was trying to save these people that's the only reason that the killing any killing situation like he killed the soldiers because he feared for that old man's life and you know they were experimenting on a dog, so he had to stop. Like, it's the idea of how do you control these things that you don't quite understand.
0: Yeah, I think they did a great job of explaining that. I mean, he is essentially a toddler, toddler's brain inside a, a this superhuman body. Um, and when she found out, like, that's why he did all this stuff, like, she's like, oh, yeah, no, you're inherently good. It's just maybe you got to turn back. And it's just, it's kind of, just pisses me off when, like, at the end when, like, he takes off, he's like, "Just don't use your powers because that'll." Dry. I was like, "No, fuck that!" Like, be Superman. Fucking use that shit.
1: Yeah, so. but then he gets fucking shot with the kryptonite bullet immediately.
0: <laughs> so dumb. it, it's like they can just give that moment in like two episodes, and it's like, no, let's just make a cliffhanger for the fuck of it for this episode. It's like, goddamn it. And fucking crypto's caught too. It's like everything cool that I want to see is now just thrown away. And like I don't even know what's supposed to happen next episode because I guess it's Batman's episode.
1: But uh, the only thing I could think of is they like they go to Bruce for help in like getting the kryptonite bullet out, kind of thing. Because like you know, fucking Bruce and Dick's gonna be like, hey. I know you have kryptonite because you're worried about Superman. I need help with this super kid I found. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I mean, it all makes sense. I mean, I, I just remembered that, like, Cyborg from Doom Patrol is in this universe because they had that crossover. So, like, when he was talking about uh, doing things with Justice League, like, a few episodes of Doom Patrol and whatnot, um, just makes sense that they would get in touch and maybe, possibly, we'll get to see Superman in this little little universe, but yeah. It's still cool shit. I still don't understand how Dick Grayson and Starfire ran down like 50 stories of stairs in maybe 10 seconds, but it's whatever. <laughs>
1: <Well>. <laughs> um,
0: But yeah, I guess we're still gonna get the big showdown with Deathstroke probably two or three episodes from now. So,
1: um, Oh, I think you're being very generous. I bet you it's going to be the end of the season.
0: Well, I mean, that's still what four or five away. I think we're in seven.
1: Um, There's 13 episodes.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously (laughs) that's that being said, what if they just hold off onto that for the fucking first episode of the third <laughs> season? Let's
1: just keep our fucked up structure the same.
0: That's <laughs> just so stupid. Uh, but yeah, still still more of the same. And it's cool. It's worth, worth checking out. I mean, what? DC is, what, eight bucks a month?
1: Something like that. I don't fucking know. About. It just comes out of my card. I don't know.
0: <laughs> worth checking out for sure. Um, so from there... Uh let's talk best and worst. Um let's start with manos because Jesus Christ. This is the <laughs> second worst, right? Yeah. Woof. Holy Christ, is this is bad.
1: Uh one, I don't think we can call something that's one hour with credits a fucking movie. <laughs> like that does not break like this threshold. Uh and two It's only this, like, yes, it's bad. Yes, it's bad. (laughs) But, like, the only reason this isn't just, like, some forgotten thing that no one's ever seen and that it's number two on the list is because Mystery Science Theater did an episode on it.
0: Yep, and, And, like, I I saw the riff tracks and I was like, oh, just, like, Birdemic, and it's like, I get where they're going with this, and, like, obviously it's not great acting, and the story's kind of muddled, but, like, I see what they were trying to do, and it it, it works, but I'm sure it works even better as that riff tracks.
1: But because, like, I, like, I've seen this multiple times thanks to Mystery Science Theater. It's one of like the best <laughs> episodes ever. Uh, like my favorite joke from that is, uh, <laughs> like, the movie starting and showing them driving down the street and they're singing, "row, row your boat" and shit. And he's like, like, every shot in this movie looks like someone's last known photograph. <laughs> but like in the end like it's just incompetent <laughs> like yeah just, like oh my god it's so it's hard to watch without someone making fun of it over it because it's just so lethargic and like <laughs> nothing happens.
0: and like it's really funny like i'd love to see a competent uh editor take this movie and like take all the pauses out because I'm assuming once you cut all that, like, it even drops it down to, like, a 40-minute film. Like, there's so much long takes, just because, like, I'm sure they were just like, in go. Because I think this was, like, 70s, wasn't it? No, 60s. Oh, I,
1: I have no idea. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, there's, like, what feels like a five-minute shot of, like, Torgo taking their luggage into the hotel.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just something... Something kind of off about this whole thing. Uh, that being said, uh, the hand robes, though, those are fucking <laughs> nice touch.
1: <laughs> In that fucking that uh, that sweet painting of him and the Doberman.
0: It's super sweet. It's like it's... that's all that kept me going through this movie. I was like, all right, let's see where this all goes, and it doesn't go anywhere. But I'm all right with that being there.
1: No, you get that uh, the twist ending. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess you do. I guess you do, and nobody wins except the dude that's the hands guy? I
1: don't know. Yeah, but then you get that feeling of, like, did he take that little girl as a wife, too? Is that what happened? <laughs> and,
0: and the answer is yes. Yes, he did. Uh, because she's in the white gowns just like her mother is now. And it's and like we get a ten-minute fight of just these women getting woken up and just fighting with each other. Like it cuts away from them multiple times and just comes back and they're just beating the shit out of themselves still. It's so ridiculous.
1: The worst worst is when they're like, oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cut to those random couple making out in the car again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, why you got to be bugging me? Go fucking mess with those other people that went down the road. God dang. So ridiculous.
1: Oh, it's so ridiculous.
0: I love the guy that just has a gun. He's just like, Mom, "I'm gonna go out the car and get my gun because that's what I need instead of fixing my car."
1: Whatever. So I great. love poor poor Targo. Just he just wanted a wife. <laughs> that's all he, wanted.
0: he really he really made some moves, but he wasn't gonna get. He hated all the wives that were picked. He explicitly told them as they slept, standing up. tied to a post. Man, There's a lot to make fun of this movie for, but uh, at the end of the day, it's just a real bad movie.
1: (laughs) It really is.
0: Like, I could totally just watch this with somebody just making fun of it the entire time. And it's only an hour, so I mean, it's not that big deal. But watching it and trying to like, "Hmm, let's see the merits of this movie, and it's like, "Mm, there's not any... (laughs) Minus those robes, <laughs> and that sweet mustache, man. He and that- just looked like a sweet villain. Like they <laughs> nailed that, but like everything else. And he people. was
1: just like, just really into hands for some reason. Like he had a hand staff, the hand robes. He worshipped a god called Hand. I, I don't know. It makes no sense.
0: Hand candles cut hand- Torgo's hand off. Like. It was. It went. It went different places. So crazy. So, uh, from there to Godfather Two, um, and the other four-hour epic of this damn story, um, and we get to see uh, Vito's coming up, as well as Michael's like dealing with what hap- what took place in the first one, I suppose. And uh, yeah, really fucking loved it really great stuff
1: yeah it's good it's not as good as the first one though that's the, the one for thing sure. like for sure i know a lot of people think it is or they'll say it's better but like in terms of like story cohesion and narrative mm-hmm. it does not work as well as the first one.
0: Oh yeah for um, sure like um it's it's interesting to see all this stuff but the uh Conniving and like backstabbing just kind of isn't present for this one. Um, we get to see it in De Niro's performance, but not so much um, Michaels in the present day. Um, but man, when his wife tells him his, she's going to take his kids away, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, that scene
1: is something. But, um, I mean, I guess it's I guess it's to show a parallel of like. Vito's rise and how he was able to deal with becoming the godfather and still have these kids and family and stuff versus michael losing everything by going to that position but i didn't need to see Vito's backstory if that makes sense
0: that means like that was the more interesting part of this movie i I thought
1: i know but why why cram a prequel in the middle of a sequel
0: oh yeah I think that was just how they were doing things in the seventies. At, at this point, that would easily have been a trilogy, and they just trimmed up this whole two movie set to just
1: move you, so you, much
0: better and like
1: put this wait, one. Wait, put Vito. That's what I just before... want to hold on one second. Okay, you know the Godfather is a trilogy, right?
0: No, I know, but the third one came out in like ninety.
1: No, I was just like you're like turn this two movie set into a trilogy I'm like well technically it is a trilogy most people do forget the third one but
0: but I mean I could definitely see this two the two movies from the 70s be cut to me a more cohesive story in the three part and like swapping swapping around a lot of parts like obviously the Vito story tell that first and then show his rise and then Michael's story but I don't know it worked just not as well as the first one for sure.
1: I, I think, yeah, this one definitely seems, love
0: good feathers, good fellas more than this.
1: This just feels very uh shaggy in terms of like last week when I was talking about how lean the first one is. This one's like, well, now we're gonna take a trip to Cuba for a little bit and have a party, and uh, now we're in the middle of some congressional hearings, and uh, now we're going to Vegas. It's like there's just a lot going on,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and it definitely. It definitely loses something not being as tight as that first one too. So But really good. I'm glad I've seen him now. Um
1: Yeah.
0: De Niro does a hell of a or De Niro does a hell of a job as well as Pacino. Um it's funny because the first time I saw Heat, I thought that was the first time they played uh in the sim in the same movie, but obviously it was been uh in it for a while.
1: Not, Heat was the first movie they ever shared a scene together with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, my problem, like, yeah, De Niro's good, but I think he's kind of hamstrung by having to do uh, a Marlon Brando impression.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, also, the <laughs> the payoff for his story is just so underwhelming considering how the whole movie starts. Like, he literally had his whole family killed in front of him, and he runs off to America, and then, like, he confronts the guy, and he just cuts him from the belly to the the neck, and just takes off.
1: Yeah, but before he takes off, that one guy gets fucking kneecapped with a shotgun. So good.
0: (laughs) He does. He fucking does.
1: But, uh, yeah.
0: Solid movie. Solid, great stuff. There's nothing really I can pinpoint that was, like, Man, that was a great scene, and I wish that carried on to more things but I mean it's just a good good deal i i It's funny saying all that, but like this would be number three on the best list, so it's just yeah it's hard to associate that with number three, considering there's nothing that nothing that stands out that much that I just want to talk about more.
1: But I also wonder if there's not a part of that it's because we just spent 20 minutes last week gushing over the first movie, you know? It's true. It's true. But
0: but I mean, obviously, that was the better of the film. Or actually, yeah, we swapped things around because this one was supposed to be... Yeah, so this one would be worse, obviously. So, yeah, that makes so much more sense.
1: So Yeah, we flipped them, so we watched them in order as all, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah, if
0: you haven't checked out the Godfather series, definitely check it out. We're watching the third one next week. I'm assuming. (laughs) Uh, do we really want to? No, I'm lying. (laughs) Uh, I sat down. Oh man, you told me Thursday was ready. I was like, I'm not ready for a four-hour movie, and like we even get a fucking minute intermission in the middle of it. It It's like uh, Saturday. I finally sat down. I was like, all right, let's take it down. Um. Just, just a lot to take in for sure. But uh, let's get jump from there to the spooks uh, because I know you're just dying to talk about all this stuff. Is it so good? Uh, which good. which one you want to talk about first? Scream or Wes Craven?
1: Whatever you want to start with.
0: Um, you know what? Let's start with New Nightmare.
1: And how great it is!
0: Listen, this movie is bonkers, insane. <laughs> the first question I have is so the fr- this takes place after the first five movies right
1: the first six I believe
0: but like those are the movies themselves they're their own story right and like they never address them as these actors just playing this, this
1: spooky role okay think of there was the five Nightmare on Elm Street movies that we all saw or didn't, in your case, but know they exist. Mm. And this is a movie about the actors who played in that first movie. So, like, Wes Craven is a character in this movie. Wes Craven directed Nightmare on Elm Street. And then this is him being like, I got a new idea for a new Freddy movie. This is just, it's a weird, it's because this was, uh, this week's thematic was uh, postmodern meta horror movies, and this is very much that. It's uh, the idea of the power these films have, and like making them, and what they do to people, and also meta narratives on story and creationism. But uh, yes, this movie posits that all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were movies, and now uh, an evil entity taking the f- figure of Freddy Krueger is trying to kill them.
0: Like it's really weird to think of this movie as referencing the the actual horror movies because like there's really nothing scary about this movie for sure. But um the fact that it references it and shows like people in this climate like knowing the the actors that they run into and shit that they had done those scary movies and the <laughs> Early 80s, or something like that, but like it's so weird how meta it is, and it's trying to be it's
1: so meta. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: it's just a lot of ridiculousness, and like as soon as it's like as soon as you get a feel for that, it's like I had a hard time not seeing the earlier one. Like, I've seen clips and bits like I knew once I found out it was a new Nightmare movie, I was like, I'm fucking out of this because I don't need that shit in my head. Um, But like, it seems like this would be, would take all of the uh horror elements away from that and like, would make them, like, it just seems like really pulpy horror at that point.
1: Well, and the whole point was like, out outside of like, listen, Nightmare on Elm Street series is fucking weird. That's just the first thing to start with, <laughs> you know. Like, the first movie is a straight up horror classic. It's great, and it's got this iconic villain, and it's the idea of like sleep being the enemy and dying in your dreams is great. Then they're like well let's make another one okay this one's subtextually about being gay and repressing your homophobia and freddie represents gayness you're like wait what <laughs> what is happening this is the first sequel <laughs> and then like it just gets progressively like three is cool because then it's like what if we know we're in a dream and it's like inception and like they use the knowing that they're in a dream to have powers and fight freddie and then it just goes downhill from there. This is so stupid uh,
0: because now I want to see these and just see how that train wreck ends up.
1: And then, you know, by, like, by the the fifth one, Freddy invading a pregnant woman's dreams of her unborn <laughs> baby. And that's how he's getting through. It's dumb. Um, but he had become a caricature. Like, he started off as this, you know, evil personification Mm -hmm. of dream horror and by like the third one he's cracking wise and telling jokes and being a stand-up comedian and Wes Craven's like you fucked with my creation now I'm gonna come back and try and change it and not make it scary but make it more uh like kind of like an existential threat of like you know we bring these things into the world our stories need to stop this horror but what if we are not containing it but letting it go further or you know what do we need to do plus I definitely thought the idea that you would love of like art needing to come out you know none of these people want to do this
0: I think this is probably only this probably the second only time that I've ever seen this like the first being Stranger Than Fiction and like I love that movie so like this like taking that element and then putting a horror twist to it uh, just made so much sense and like I can't believe there's not more films that are very similar to this, um, and like like you said, that that entire element of art needing to to come through like one way or the other, like just I fucking love this damn movie, and I hate that <laughs> <laughs> because like this, even is though the, it's the eighth of the series, and like it just doesn't. It loses some of that context because I haven't seen the previous ones, but like at the same point, it does a great job of explaining what the the earlier things had set into motion.
1: yeah, I think I was kind of worried about that, but for the most part, all you really need to know was everyone who's in the movie heather robert um John Saxton, they played in the first movie, okay. and this is just kind of referencing that, so like there's that part where you know when uh they come back to the home after the hospital and he starts calling her nancy and then she's mm. like okay dad that's her accepting her role from the first movie yeah like, he played her dad in yeah the first when one. it shifted it, when it made
0: that shift like after she had had the talk with wes and he's like i don't fucking know where it's going but it's just riding itself at this point and like he's like it ends with you accepting this role and like it did that hard shift into the movie and I was like oh shit like <laughs> it's so hard to wrap your brain around all the elements that are in play um but like man what a w- wild weird trip it was for sure
1: plus um like my favorite little thing about this movie is <laughs> you know they were like listen, we need to uh, update Freddie, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you see one time in the movie when she's on that talk show and Robert comes out, you see, like, the classic Freddie makeup and, they're like, we need to change it, you know? And, like, the, the the hand's different with the claws and the makeup for the face is different and everything. But then he's just, like, rocking a real tight pair of leather pants and you're like, huh, it's a bold choice, Freddie. <laughs> I mean, that was the 90s, man.
0: Um. Yeah, the whole... Th- oh, man. Freddy's? I don't even know if I want to call it... For- Robert England's performance of, like, just shifting gears and, like, them being friends offsi- or outside of this talk show and, like, oh, they, they talking bullshit just like regular friends and, like... <laughs> but, like, they were part of this trauma that these people caused years back um man this movie is too much
1: plus uh plus not to get too like meta meta um but uh when they were making this movie an actual earthquake hit california where they were filming and that's how they got all those shots of like the destroyed buildings and stuff just because an actual earthquake as Wes Craven was writing a script about an earthquake hitting to show Freddy coming through, and he was just like, <laughs> I don't fucking know what I'm doing. <laughs> he's like, should I be making movie? That's
0: fucking wicked. Oh, man. Uh, my favorite part of this movie is where this fucking kid has just a handful of goddamn sleeping pills that he's leaving for his mom. Yeah. So ridiculous.
1: Um, so much of it. So ridiculous. Uh,
0: yeah, I like how they explain how or, like, they, they kind of leave footnotes that, like, how it's supposed to end with the Hansel and
1: Gretel tell earlier, and in... this movie just rocks. Plus the idea, the plus they lay it through in that uh, the conversation with Wes, where he's just like, this entity has existed forever, but we as storytellers have trapped it in stories. Mm-hmm. To say that this was the Hansel and Gretel was a story to hold this thing down, and now Nightmare is a story to hold it down.
0: Yeah, fucking weird and awesome.
1: not what not what I was
0: expecting from a Freddy movie
1: for sure. Well, I picked the fucking weirdest one. Well, yeah, I'm except maybe two. (laughs) Two is fucking.
0: (laughs) So jumping from there to Scream, um, man. These these two together paired well. Um,
1: uh, it doesn't hurt that they are both Wes Craven movies. Yeah, I was just going to say that
0: as well. Um, he must have been off of his Freddy trip and like I think he wrote this and like a few more before going back uh, to he, Freddy, did
1: One, he never went back to Freddy. Oh, okay. Uh, two, uh, this was like Kevin Williamson wrote this uh, of Dawson's Creek fame. <laughs> um, but, but like, uh, no West had always been one of those guys who was like, I don't want to do horror films anymore. And then he'd be like, okay, I'll do scream. It's okay. I, I like the story. Let's go do it. Right. But uh, it's just also super postmodern uh, just in meta, but in a different way of like this led into a terrible wave of slasher films and like, the mid nineties to early two thousands where everything was super referential, but it was new and exciting and fresh in this of being like, we are going to say that we understand that this is what the killer does. And these are the rules that movies, films abide by. You can't have sex. You can't drink. You can't go off by yourself or you'll die. But then also actually structure the movie around those things and not seem like a, make it seem, still work yeah, right yeah, yeah. like you sit there and you realize that all these people understand the quote-unquote rules of horror films and understand it and then the movie is still structured around horror film rules and still works
0: mm-hmm. uh i think the coolest parts were uh, like seeing it before and knowing the twist of the movie um and then like realizing how they structure everything around that to work um but I think the funniest part is when uh, Kennedy is sitting there watching Halloween by himself, yelling at Jamie to look behind him. And as it, he's yeah, as essentially the yelling is that, at himself yeah. to look to look around. Um, also, we get to fucking see Dan from Deadwood in both these movies as well.
1: Goddamn right.
0: <laughs> but man, when the I think I forgot a good chunk of this. And completely forgot that they went to this party to like relax. Um, and like the killing that just started and just fucking had a domino effect. Um, but also showing very competent female, uh, protagonists. Uh,
1: well, that's the thing that, like, I feel a lot of people who don't actually watch horror films are always just like they're misogynistic and you know it's always violence against women but you're and the other hand you're kind of always like you know that's the genre that literally coined the term final girl because it is the woman who stands up at the end and always survives so it's kind of weird uh but yes all of them are very competent in this film um i do think there's probably a unusually high ratio of women who are targeted and killed in this movie, but when you actually watch it and realize that it's because it's two high school fucking kids, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um <laughs> Yeah, just a fucking great
1: thriller for sure. Um Yeah, and it does and it's not just a horror film. It's ostensibly a murder mystery is what the movie is.
0: Yeah. And like <laughs> Man, the way they they move around the different elements, and like at the end of the movie, you see that's on this farmhouse that they're not near a neighborhood and like couldn't get away. Um, <laughs> there's so much in unless this movie you have that, that works so well.
1: Uh, yeah, including that fucking perfect opening fifteen minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely forgot. The Drew Barrymore scene. <laughs> I-, I was expecting Carmen Electra because I guess I crossed the path with the uh, scary movie. Scary movie, And I remember working uh, in a theater when Scary Movie had come out, and like had to watch the Carmen Electra opening for like fucking two weeks straight. And I was like, "Where's Carmen Electra in this movie?" And like quick checked IMDb, I was like, "I'm an idiot." All right, let's do this. <laughs> But, uh but yeah, when it kicks to Neff Campbell, like he, Sid um when she's in the house and gets the call, um man, her just kicking all kinds of ass as well as uh the chicken new nightmare, like i it doesn't seem like or i mean they handle fear well uh for the situations they're in. And, like, for being somebody that's not a horror fan, uh, it's cool to see that uh, just because I, it it means there's a chance that I wouldn't just fucking go into a corner and just accept my fate.
1: <laughs> but yeah. Plus, again, like, I love that, like, it's not just some, like, super unstoppable killer, like a jason or something it's literally it's a fucking dopey ass high school kid in a costume so of course they're gonna fucking knock him over and he's not gonna be good at it like there's just an internal consistency to the characters also
0: for a movie packed full of just obtrusive annoying characters they meld so well together it's ridiculous oh my god
1: like as obnoxious as he is, I kind of think Matthew Lillard is brilliant in this oh, movie, you 100%. know?
0: When he gets stabbed too many times, I was like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, he was like, just, like, right just in like... this movie up to that point, and fuck that. I would have given him Oscar when he's like, goddamn man, you cut too deep. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I good. think I'm fucking dying, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So good. Uh if you haven't checked out the stream, for sure put that on your list, to fucking see. Um so let's jump from there and talk fucking Gemini man and how much you enjoyed it.
1: Is it's bad.
0: You didn't like it?
1: <laughs> Is that enough? That's No, did you? I
0: did. I am a fan of Angley Uh there's plenty of that doesn't work in this movie. Um I think it could be polished quite a bit more, but this, uh, this was a comic, wasn't it? No, no, sir. That's interesting. I came I came into it with a pretense that like it was totally a comic series that they had transmuted.
1: No, this is, um, this is an old script that's been floating around since like 1995 that finally got made, um, written by one of your favorite people, fucking David Benioff. That is not one of my favorite
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it Ang Lee's the one that did uh, Life of Pi, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think I've ever liked an Ang Lee movie. <laughs> like I, I guess maybe Brokeback. Like I respected that movie. You didn't like um, Life of Pi? I never saw it. Oh,
0: you should. I, I kind of really like dig
1: that. Between like fucking like you're like yeah Crouching Tiger's cool and then you're like wait you made a Hulk movie that's very dumb and awful
0: <sighs> that's the movie you made I was like why does that name sound so damn familiar uh because I thought it was the dude that made House of a Thousand Corpses
1: Rob Zombie
0: no, no, no fucking House of the Living Dead the one we saw like a month ago No, who's that guy
1: um uh, Uble.
0: Uble. uh See, they both had short names, so I can see how I got confused. Um, but yeah, tangentially, I guess Will Smith's probably the only character that I would care to see try and pull this off.
1: Also, Ramona Flower is, like,
0: kicks so much ass in this movie.
1: But I come across as like Will Smith has aged so incredibly well mm-hmm. that there doesn't seem to be this huge discrepancy between his old self and his new self. It's really of, funny like, that his hair.
0: his younger self can't grasp, but like his his older self is just wrestling with this idea nonstop. Like, I hate I hate everybody about this. And the other dude's like, I don't know. Maybe he could be a relation to me. It's whatever.
1: Um Maybe it's your son. Like, <laughs> no, that's fucking him. <laughs>
0: Um, there's not a lot to hold the story itself together. Um, it just seems like they wanted to shoot a bunch of really cool high action scenes and they just kind of pieced them together from that point.
1: Yeah, it literally just felt like Ang Lee being like, "Mm, I want to work on something. And he literally, you know, shot the film in a format that can't be shown in 99.9% of theaters so like what's the fucking point
0: dude my theater is pushing the 3D on this so hard and I was like I'm so glad I didn't see it in 3D because I'm sure it would just be obnoxious looking
1: and the other thing is like you know um, the fact that they didn't do like the Marvel route of like Filming Smith and just de aging his face like that, his younger self's a full CGI creation, so it moves and feels like you know it doesn't feel real, so it's really yeah. weird. Like and then the way they speed up their movements and make everything super fast and agile, it's just like this is just a video game character. That's literally all I saw there. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: oh, man, it it's the CGI moments that like kind of. It doesn't pull me completely out of the movie, but it's just like, oh, man, if it just had a little bit more polish, I think it could have been something worthy of being like, yeah, go check that fucking movie out. But it's like, I don't know, if you want a Will Smith movie, it's worth it. It's worth a watch, I suppose. Um, but yeah, there's not much to it. It's just, it, I think you're getting no, exactly like, what you, you want from the what you see in the trailer.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the movie. There's nothing else there. Yeah. And, like, in the end, it comes down to, like, uh, an older character trying to grapple with all the violence and horror that his life has, cro- has wrought, and trying to protect his younger clone self from that. Go watch Logan. Yeah. Much better movie. Fuck yeah, man.
0: That's a great, great fucking discussion. Um... But yeah, I don't know. The whole... The wrap-up of the movie just is too weird. Like, at that point, I was just like, what are we doing here? Nobody's going out for dinner with them their, with their younger clone self at all, ever. <laughs> also, they're just really trusting of their government again. Once, Like, yeah, they had that one rogue guy that they was in charge of, essentially, this mercenary army. Uh, and they dealt with them, so I guess they're in good graces. I don't know. It's it's just a really bad spin of a Mission Impossible scenario. Yeah. So go watch Logan and uh, Mission Impossible Fallout.
1: But or any Mission Impossible. Or,
0: yeah, really about that. So, <laughs> uh, but I did like seeing Ramona Flowers kicking so much ass. Um and not just being left as this damsel in distress. Um. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: it really is. Jump from there.
0: Uh, we finally. If you haven't seen El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, I suggest dipping out now because we're going full spoilers because it's fucking awesome.
1: (laughs) Did you? It's. I'm very conflicted. Um, oh, yeah? yeah, I am because it's it's very good, it's very very good, but it's completely superfluous and unneeded. Like I didn't need oh, yeah. this story,
0: thousand percent. But I'm so glad that we
1: got. It. <laughs> and like, I don't think that like, if I were to ever like do a Breaking Bad rewatch, I don't know that this makes it into it. You know, like. It's an epilogue to a story that ended perfectly and didn't need an epilogue. Mm -hmm. But everyone's so good in it. like I don't know. It's it's so fucking good. Um,
0: I was worried coming into this, like, we get a completely different Jesse, and, like, it'd be something that really breaks the lore of Breaking Bad. But no, I mean, Jesse's the exact same character dealing with the same shit, like getting dealt the same shitty hand. Uh and has some a uh, peaceful resolution to it. And that's cool. Like before uh I watched El Camino, I got caught up or I watched Osmendius just so I had the mindset of where Jesse was. Uh man, when he fucking tells him that he watched Jane die. Like, goddamn, that moment is just so fucking heartbreaking. Just seeing uh, Jesse just sink to the ground. And, like, then whatever he has to deal with after that. But, like, then escaping at the start of this movie. And, goddamn, that's a sweet El Camino. (laughs) Ten out of ten. New (laughs) (laughs) Um, Year's. That's my El Camino. It's an 80s. You got the wraparound headlights. It's just a great, great, lovely El camino.
1: <laughs> Plus you put a topper on it and you hide dead bodies. I mean,
0: it just makes perfect
1: sense. Um, um but that like fucking top
0: down shot of when he's tearing apart the apartment. Man, that's some fucking great shit.
1: Yeah, it's it does everything that Breaking Bad did. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's unconventional. It has cool, weird shots, like there's time-lapse photography. There's twists in the story narrative that you wouldn't see. It's all there. But in the end, you're kind of like, did we need it? It's still what I keep coming back to. 100%. Um, 100%. Uh, also, you know, I we, saw,
0: also, we get to see uh, the sheriff who just recently passed away, too. Uh, from Not
1: recently. Literally the day yeah, the movie came out. It's
0: so weird. Like We are just talking about this kind of shit happening for Wes Craven. It's like, It's a little too on the nose, but also, man, what a hell of, for not seeing him before this last two years and just, like, seeing him Twin Peaks and Breaking Bad and now to end with this, like, fuck.
1: Oh, yeah, Robert Forrester's the shit, man. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, it's like Vince Gilligan did, I saw he did an interview and they said that El Camino was literally just supposed to be a short film for the movies or for the show's 10th anniversary. Mm. It was just a little thing they were working on and it just grew and grew and grew to this. You, um, I think that, you know, what's there is really good, but it does feel kind of fan servicey. Oh yeah. Um, when, uh, when the first shot of the movie is him and Mike talking and, uh, He's like, where where would you go if you were me? And he's like, Alaska. And I was like, oh, that's where we're ending up because Vince Gilligan literally said in an interview six years ago that he believes Jesse got a new life in Alaska. So it's like, oh, I see. We're just we're spelling out the things that kind of everybody knew and where it was going. Yeah.
0: Uh, but that means said, like, would you have been upset if you had caught this in the theater?
1: No, I wouldn't have. But like, I still would feel conflicted about was it purposeful or needed um, like I said there's nothing that from a filmmaking or storytelling perspective is bad at all yeah. like like I know you talked about that shot overhead I love that scene where like he's in the bed like oh, hiding under the yeah. bed from the cops and he
0: comes out with just like, the gun barrel he's like just mm-hmm. oh God damn but then again um, like, I've only lived with the story for half a year where you've been with it for a decade
1: yeah, again, you know, like I've dealt with the idea of like Walt's dead and this is probably what happened to Jesse for six years now. You know, it's been six years since the finale. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if it does work better for you because we just ended it not that long ago and now you're getting this little cap at the end. Um, uh, it's,
0: it's interesting because uh, cross-re- cross-referencing that to the Deadwood movie, where it felt like everything moved on and we got a whole brand new story, whereas this is just like, well, let's look at these characters for another hour and just see where they are and how they ended up. Just kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I think what they do wonderfully in this film is the use of flashback mm-hmm. to show what Jesse was like back in, you know, the beginning of season two and his optimism and his raggedociousness and what he kind of person he was then versus who he right. is now and what everything he's been through has changed him. Hell yeah. Um, plus there's that fucking scene where uh, when he's like driving off to his new life in Alaska and then he looks over and it cuts to fucking Jane and has that flashback that fucking broke me.
0: Yeah. Fuck him yeah, man. Oh, God damn it.
1: That oh. I'm
0: I'm so glad it does exist and like it does give those sweet nods I mean just because I mean most people haven't seen these characters for five years and like it works so well for me just because it's just, it's just a, another hour spent with these amazing characters that like we didn't get any of the well We got a little, but, like, not to the extent that the actual show was about drugs. Um, Like, this is just trying to find money for that next lifetime, so.
1: Yeah, and, like, the idea of, you know, finally, it's, you know, purposely said kind of in that last monologue with Kristen Stewart, or uh, Kristen Ritter, but uh, of, like, Jesse was always at the behest of everyone else. Mm. You know, he was always doing this for Walt or in this position because of this person and that. And then finally, you know, it's like, fuck the universe, you know, make your own choice, do what you need to do. Oh
0: yeah. So man, the fucking uh, showdown. (laughs) So good. So good.
1: And then fucking goddamn Todd is still the perfect sociopath.
0: Yeah, he is. Fuck yeah, he is. Goddamn.
1: Just when, like, when Jesse has that gun on him, he's like, "It's gonna get you some pizza, bud. Mm-hmm. How's pie sound?
0: <laughs> oh, my God, their interaction works so goddamn. It fucking takes him back to the apartment is like, this is, this is what I gotta deal with. It's <laughs> like, oh, unroller. I need my belt back.
1: And then puts it back yeah, on. Yeah.
0: So, uh... No, nope, I'm glad this fucking movie exists for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's this week's uh, roundup. What do we got for next week, then? Are we done with Best and Worst, then?
1: No, we still have number one. Oh, shit. What's number one? Uh, well, the good thing is we don't have to watch the worst because it's only to buy. It's the only place I can find it. I'm not spending $8. <laughs> uh, but the worst was a disaster movie, another Ooh. spoof one um and best is Shawshank Redemption I'm all right with that eh, I don't have, we'll see we'll see that's a movie that I am not uh, uh, a great believer in
0: oh you, you're not a fan of Shawshank
1: mm, Shawshank one of those movies that like it played all the time on TNT and shit you know so yeah. like, I'd seen it and I was like it's a good movie. And then everyone's like, suck my dick. It's the best movie in the world. And I'm like, you need to fucking calm down.
0: <laughs> and I kind of been, uh, I, I, kind I totally of agree with on that. Um, I have a lot of artist friends that uh, discuss it when they're like talking about um, the the color tonally of the movie where it goes from dark to light and like the different colors that are present uh, during all of it, so I'm totally down for giving it a rewatch for sure. Uh, and plus, yeah, we've done all the other fucking uh, Stephen King's at this point, might as well.
1: Not all of them, we've done a lot, a lot. Yeah, Stephen King shows up a lot in pop culture. It also,
0: is fucking uh, the Hulu King Castle Rock coming back this week?
1: Uh, I don't know if it's this week, I know it's soon.
0: Uh, I'm
1: pretty sure we're gonna have to watch it. Whatever, I have Hulu. You're the one who has to figure it out. I got Hulu. Okay, I we're fine then. It. Um, um
0: so what do we got for Spooks then next week?
1: Uh, for Spooks, we're doing um a remake week, and we'll be watching John Carpenter's The Thing and uh, last year's Suspiria.
0: Nice. Haven't seen either of them, so it'll still be a wild ride.
1: Yeah. Um, then I think the only thing theatrically, because I'm not seeing fucking Maleficent. Oh, yeah, see
0: we're seeing them both. You gotta find Maleficent one and see the second one.
1: Why are you doing this? Because Why? it's
0: so good.
1: Really? You're a big fan of Maleficent? I, I really am.
0: I'm surprised that they played a character off so well that was just that evil bitch. <laughs> And plus, <sighs> fucking Jolie is just kills that role for sure. I think you'll enjoy it, but also it's that point where like I know you hate animation and I push that and you're just like, no, I really hate animation. So it's it's a very it's a two side it's a double bladed sword. It could go well, but it also could come back and it's like I really enjoyed it. You're just like, nah, I hated it. So but usually yeah. what
1: happens. Um we have The completely unnecessary and both too early and too late sequel, uh, Zombieland 2. Nice. I'm totally. Uh, And then probably my favorite thing this week, because I'm pretty sure you're just going to be super pissy and I'm glad. (laughs) Uh, We have the premiere of Damon Lindelof's Watchmen on HBO.
0: For fuck, I didn't think it was going to be this soon and now I'm really upset about it. (laughs) Fuck it. I've if I were to do Watchmen you'd definitely do a Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> so watch all that shit and we'll come back and talk about it next week. Um Yep, peace pineapple, up all that good stuff later.